Spirit, Amen. A gospel that is full of the tension that exists between that which is fallen and demonic on the one hand and wills death and God our Savior who wills life and is light opposing the darkness of evil. But this evil is not impersonal. Evil is an abstract noun, only in a certain sense. Evil afflicts persons, and in this case, as is so frequently the case in the Gospel, we have simply someone from the crowd. What is his name? What do they do? Where do they live? We don't know. And yet our kinship with this boy and his father is intense because we are all under warfare. We all see our passions being ignited by the demons and turned against us, darkening our minds and thoughts, darkening our hearts, and willing our death we who are under siege, we who are under a kind of blitz from the devil, reach out to the light. But the light is also not an abstract noun. It is not something impersonal. The light is Jesus Christ. And so, armed with a certain knowledge that comes from our own faith, we cry out to the Savior, Help me. So it is that this father brought his son who was afflicted with a demon, in fact with many demons. And he tried to have the holy apostles cure him. And you remember when the Lord first sent the apostles out, they came back from their first trip and they said, even the demons are subject unto us. But uh, on this occasion, the holy apostles themselves could do nothing to relieve this afflicted boy. And the Savior enters into a very brief, somewhat technical discussion with the Father. How long ago is it that he has been thus, of a child, said the father. And he supplies more details. And often it throws him into the fire, and often into water, in order to destroy him. There's no question in anybody's mind what happens when we consent to the demons, or when we are afflicted to, unto the demons, by the demons, Without our consent, the end is destruction. And destruction is not an abstract noun. Persons are destroyed. It is we, the afflicted ones, who will be destroyed. But Christ will have nothing to do with that. He is not from darkness or death or destruction. And with a word, 
the demons come out and they leave the boy. Everyone around there thinks that he's dead, that at last the demons have won. The demons have had their way with him and they have taken him to the place of darkness and death. But it was not so. And Christ restores this boy who had been afflicted to the Father. Well then, of course, there's a problem. The apostles have known success. They have tasted victory over the evil ones, the demons. Why could not we heal him? Then Christ says, It is only by prayer and fasting that we can be relieved of these extreme instances of demonic possession. And here is the link with the Sunday of St. John Climacus. We know that because we are in a culture that has no religious mind, we are in a culture that has no spiritual life, a culture that is fascinated even with paganism. And you know this past week in Greece, uh, it was successfully asserted by a very small number of Greeks that they wanted to register as worshippers of the twelve Olympian gods and goddesses. So the Minister of Culture and Religion said that he does not want to discriminate against anybody. Anybody can worship whatever he wants to in European Greece. So he has given them permission to be a registered religion. <laughs> What next? But we uh, may not have a group of registered Americans who want to worship Zeus and Ira and the rest of those demonic characters, but uh, we are nonetheless in a culture that is paganized. And we have to understand what it means to live in such a milieu where the goal of the culture is no longer the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Byzantinist John Meindorf was asked, why throughout the whole Middle Ages, even though the Byzantines were very smart people, they never came up with a constitution? He said, well, they had a constitution. They didn't need to come up with their own. What was the constitution, he was asked. I was present at this lecture. He said, well, the gospel of Christ. But that was true. Now, let us always... Be fair here, yes, the goals of that society were established by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that every day everybody in, in Constantinople was walking two or three feet off the ground. Of course, the failures of that society are also very good, very great. But they understood those failures in terms not of uh, you know, a bad self-image or a failure to uh, implement Jungian or Freudian uh, psychological uh, cures uh, and so on and so forth, but they judged themselves by the criteria given by Christianity. And that was what was unique about that society. Yes, they failed, but they failed at that goal and not some other uh, anti-goal or pseudo or ersatz goal. So uh, we have before us uh, the, the, the problem that in its absolute inner boredom, we have the emergence of what is called extreme sports. You know, 
to push yourself to an absolute uh, limit and to the, pass the limit of your physical ability, but as a body, as a system of nerves and bones and muscles. Well, we look at the ladder by St. John of Sinai, Climacos of the ladder, and we see that here is the Christian truth responding to this craziness of extreme sports, you know, doing crazy things with your, your, your flesh, your body. And that was that they pushed themselves to a limit, the limits established by the gospel of our Savior. When uh, we read the latter, we are absolutely astonished at the lengths to which men were willing to go in order to relieve themselves either of the presence of demons or of the results of previous demonic uh, possession. The wounds and, if you will, the scar tissue left by old wounds, spiritual wounds. And uh, when modern, secular, paganized people look at the latter for academic purposes or to get a good laugh, they, they simply make fun of the, uh, the extreme limit uh, which is indicated there. The Savior said in the Gospel today that nothing will relieve us of the really heavy-duty demonic except by prayer and fasting. And uh, prayer and fasting takes us into the realm of that extremity. We deprive our own body of food and, uh, and beverages of, of water and uh, to this hunger that grows within us, we attach our prayer. And as we are fasting and as we are getting hungry during uh, a day in Great Lent, we are uh, obliged to make the fast work to remind ourselves that the hunger that we feel physically in our stomach reminds us of the hunger that we have for God. And we attach that hunger to our hunger for God and for union with God. We are not Gnostics. We are not interested in knowing about God. We don't want to know about God. We want to know God. We don't want some intermediate uh, information about Him. We want union with Him. This is why we can say, God is love. For Augustine in the West that follows him, God is the supreme idea. <laughs> but no, God is love. And therefore we are in a world of union and communion. And the yearning that we feel within ourselves is not for greater knowledge about something, but for intimate union with someone. We cannot relieve ourselves of those things that afflict our minds, our hearts, our flesh, except by denying ourselves, taking up the cross, and following our Savior. Prayer and fasting, so prominent in our Lenten struggle, the six weeks followed by the week of Holy Week, uh, the, uh, the whole exploit and that is what it is called, the ascesis, the athletic workout, 
is indeed extreme. There's no question about it. There's no need to deny it. Yes, it is extreme. And uh, it makes all of us extremists. But extremists in a very specialized and defined way. Not extreme towards other persons, but extreme towards our own passions. Extreme towards our own failures as Christian people. Extreme towards my own sins. There is where the extremism is. It's directed inward. And therefore, I am strengthened for the struggle that we see in the Gospel today, the struggle to relieve, in this instance, a boy from the presence of the demonic, and only by prayer and fasting could this be effected. May God grant, by the prayers of St. John Climacus, whose work, The Ladder, manifests the Gospel in action after the Feast of Pentecost, may God grant that by His intercessions, you and I will be encouraged and that we will be uh, resolved and sobered during this great Lent, so that the fasting and the praying will have for us all that our Savior intends, and that you and I may become free of those afflictions which beset our lives and our relationships with others. <laughs>